In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. My husband Sam and I took our kids on a mystery road trip during Thanksgiving week. The church office was closed, school was out all week long, and I could not sit at home for that many days with an 11 and 7 year old child. We found pet care, we packed our car, and we hit the road. Now, Sam and I knew our destination, but our kids did not know where we were going, and it was hilarious to watch them guess and whine and grumble to try to figure out where we were going as we were on the road. And looking back, there were surprises in store for all of us. We arrived in Pigeon Forge. It was a longer drive than I thought it was going to be. We arrived in Pigeon Forge finally and got settled in our hotel. The kids were thrilled. It was just right. The next morning, we ate and we headed to Dollywood. It took longer than we thought to park because a lot of other people thought about that same great idea that we did. There were more than six million lights we learned all over Dollywood to celebrate the Christmas season. People came in droves. Standing in line to buy tickets, a man called Sam over and he saw our family of four talking and he asked Sam if he wanted to be his friend. And if you know my husband, you know that Sam is not generally trusting of, tr of strangers and is very shy. And so he gave a tentative response like, what does that mean, friend? What, what is expected of me? What do I have to do? And so the man explained more. He said he had nine tickets for a family and friends deal that were free and they were about to expire the next week. And he wanted to give them to a family so that people could come and enjoy Dollywood. There were no strings attached. And so Sam looked at me and I looked at him and we went, well, all right. So we ducked under and went and stood with our new friends, Tim, and Janet and their college-aged son, Zane. Tim went over to find more friends because, again, there were nine tickets and we only took up four of them. So he found another family and gathered the 12 of us together. And we walked together to the entry to the park. We had been claimed by this other family, and we entered and were welcomed into the beauty and excitement of Dollywood, free of charge. And so as I sit with the gospel passage of Jesus recruiting disciples by the Sea of Galilee, I'm struck how Jesus, this proclaimer of truth and instigator of change for the glory of God, claims Peter claims Andrew, James, and John. He recruits them, he invites them, he engages them, and his pitch is simple. Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Peter and Andrew drop their nets and follow Jesus. James and John, we are told, are repairing nets so that they can catch more fish, Jesus calls them and they leave their dad behind, which will surely create tension, as they follow Jesus. 
So we don't know if these four men understand what Jesus means when he says, follow me and I will teach you to fish for people. What we see is that they immediately change their position in life. And then Jesus goes through the region teaching what it means to repent and return to God. He proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God that has come near. Jesus brings healing and hope to those who are hurting, weeping, hungry. Jesus brings about changed lives, and he invites those who will listen to hear and to follow. And so Jesus, the Messiah, provides this inspirational leader for us to consider. Jesus, who claims us and calls us to follow him right now, not in a mean way like your mom. Come right now. They followed not out of fear, but out of compassion and love to get to a place of restoration and wholeness to the glory of God the Father. You see, drawing near to God, repenting, and following Jesus changes us. It can be a change of mindset, believing that I am truly forgiven for those things that I deeply regret, and that I can be and am reconciled with God if I would only accept it. Repenting and following Jesus might look like lived action, praying each day, increasing my pledge to the church, my financial pledge, participating in a parish activity each week. And sometimes following Jesus looks more drastic, like the disciples dropping everything to follow Jesus or maybe people who discern a call to holy orders. Today is, re- today is Religious Life Sunday in the Episcopal Church. It was instated in 2022 at, diocese, at, the, excuse me, at General Convention. Um, the third Sunday in Epiphany will now be celebrated as Religious Life Sunday to raise awareness about religious orders in the Episcopal Church. We talk and know about Roman Catholic nuns and monks, and yet there are women and men in the Episcopal Church who also follow these these religious orders. They've said yes to follow Jesus in all aspects of their life, and they can help each of us create spaces of prayer and structure in our life to help us find rhythms of rest and retreat and to grow in faith by witnessing others who have committed to Christian life and works with God's help. And there are religious orders nearby and those far off. You can go for individual or group retreat to the Benedictine Sisters in Coleman at the Sacred Heart Monastery just up the road. They have events there. And St. Stephen's will be welcoming Brother Jim Woodrum from Boston and the Society of St. John the Evangelist a little bit later this year. So regardless, as we hear others' faith stories and their stories of call and answer, 
whether subtle or dramatic, hearing others' stories can inspire us to recognize our own brushes with divine invitation. Perhaps we too will be stirred to invite others into the promise of the good news. Your vestry gathered Friday night and Saturday, maybe some of you sitting in the pews or related to people sitting in the pews. We got to know each other. We shared stories, stories of how we found this place, how we have been called and answered to get oriented as the leadership team for the next year. And we read and discussed this gospel passage and Bible study. We imagined leadership at St. Stephen's through the lens of this passage. Some of the things that came up for my small group in conversation was that as God is calling us, sometimes ministry looks like getting interrupted and having to make changes. Jesus is the focus of our work. And in that call, we follow the light. And we try to be ready for immediate needs being answered. And we fish for people. We invite others into St. Stephen's more deeply. I do wonder how the trauma of this past year may shift the open-hearted, welcoming mindset that we have at St. Stephen's. I have to be real about that and pondering that because it is a reality. Yet we still work to authentically fish for all people as Jesus continues to train us to do that. Because Jesus knew hardship and tough times too. He had to shift. Did you hear in the beginning of the gospel? He had to move when John the Baptist got arrested. He had to find a new settlement in Capernaum. The Apostle Matthew reminds us of that passage from Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. The tragic losses upon the way 2,000 years ago, less than one year ago, and maybe profoundly in your own life. Those losses cannot stop the light of hope, the promise and resurrection of Jesus from dawning upon us. And so let us repent and turn away from fear. Let us pivot toward the living God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's the promise Jesus was teaching. Let us steep ourselves in holy scripture and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of God's marvelous works so that God's name will be glorified. Amen.